Amen. Amen. Good evening. I'm uh, Pastor Eric Corbett, filling in for Pastor Rick this evening. And we have a topical, and our um, verse is going to be this evening, Philippians chapter 4, actually two verses, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Likely some familiar verses for those of you who've been in the Lord for a while. And uh, the title of this evening's message is just simply Prayer and Peace. And that's what we're going to talk about. And uh, this is a letter to the Philippians Paul wrote, and uh, it's a joyful letter. Uh, It's one where he speaks uh, uh, a lot about praying for them, this congregation. And so prayer, of course, was very important for the apostle and very important for us as believers. And then he gets to uh, chapter 4 in in this section where he he basically talks about um, uh, the peace of God and what to do when, when, when we're anxious. And so we, when we become anxious and we worry, uh, we aren't at peace. And peace is supposed to be something that accompanies the believer. It's something, that's, um, something that we have. It should be a mark of the Christian, of the believer, uh, knowing God and having peace with him. But uh, sometimes there are times when we can be anxious. And so when we're not uh, at peace, um, we should pray. And that's what Paul encourages them to do. And when we don't pray, when we are in a place of, of being you know, nervous or anxious or, or worried, then we can miss out on the peace that God has for us and he's made available to us. And so prayer and peace go together. If you're at peace, you should be in prayer. Prayer should be somewhere close by. And if, if prayer is missing, then uh, there's a very good likelihood that, that peace is not where it needs to be also. So uh, I'll read it. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So he first off says, Be anxious for nothing. So to be anxious is to be apprehensive or uh, greatly concerned to be troubled with cares, or it could be to worry or to fret is another word that we use for for being anxious. And we can be anxious or greatly concerned about things that we need. We all have things that we need, uh, things that are necessary for life, and uh, there are times when these things are threatened or maybe even taken away from us. Um, you know, examples, you know, you, you, you're in a car accident and you, you lose your vehicle and you need your vehicle to go to work and do other things. Uh, something can happen. You know, people, people have incidents where they can lose a house in a fire. Um, people can, you know, you can lose your job or you can have an impact on your health. Um, there are things that can come in life that are significant, that take a, take a, we take a, a major hit. And these things can create a situation where we become anxious or they can create anxiety. And, um, but that's not how the believer is supposed to respond uh, in that situation. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 and 26, speaking about, about God and his provision. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
And so God knows what uh, our needs are and how important they are to us. And he's able to provide for us. And Jesus here gives some examples of, you know, things that we're accustomed to. Uh, the birds of the air, you know, um, he clothes them and provides for them. Uh, I have yet to see uh, during wintertime any of the robins out there with a jacket. Um, <laughs> you know, um, God takes care of them. Again, one of the things that, that is just amazing to me, speaking of birds, is how, I mean, we had, some, we had a nice cold snap here a week or so ago. And how the birds survive that. They're out there in the elements. They don't have little space heaters, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yet, you know, the, the, the night comes, the temperature drops down, and the next day they're up and making a whole lot of noise. And um, they, they make it through because God has provided for them. And so Jesus uses this example and says, look, God takes care of these here how much more value are you than, than them? If he's going to take care of the birds, then he's going to take care of you. And so, you know, God takes care of us, and he can provide for us. Now, it may not always look like what we expect it to look like, or it may not always come when we want it to come. Maybe, you know, something has happened, and you're like, okay, I, I need this to change right now. And you're asking the Lord, and nothing happens. And, and time passes. And, um, you, you know, it's not, that, it's not that God is not listening or that he doesn't care, but he has his own prerogative and he does things in his own time. And so um, what God provides is always sufficient. He's never going to shortchange us. He's never going to um, give you less than you really need. And again, our perspective and his perspective could be different, um, but he's going to provide for us. And um, so whatever he provides, it's going to be sufficient to fulfill that need, and it's always going to be on time. Even though it may not be the time that we're looking for it, when he provides it, it's always going to be on time because he's, he's never late. <laughs> we can be late, but um, he's never as late. So we can be anxious about things that we need. We can also be anxious about uh, and even troubled with the cares of this world and, and, and things that we need to do. We can be concerned about things that we need to do. And uh, in Luke chapter 10, um, verse 38, we have the story of, of Mary and Martha. And uh, I, I love this, this little account of these two sisters. What, what a blessing they were. Uh, they're mentioned a, a number of times in the Gospels. And we, we're always going to learn something whenever they show up. They're just, they're just very, very... Um, very nice characters in scripture. And so here it is. The, the Lord is, is at their house. And, um, well, I'll just read it. Uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Speaking of Jesus. And she had a sister called Mary who, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And so here's uh, uh, Martha, you know, uh, serving. It's her house. She's obviously a, a woman of, of means in terms of capability, and she's seeing, too, that, you know, everything is taken care of and notices that her sister's not around. And then when she looks and finds her sister, her sister's just sitting there, 
you know, from her perspective, not doing anything, you know, other than just listening to the Lord. Yes, yeah, the Lord, and you know, we need to listen to the Lord, but she needs to be in here helping me. And so she goes to the Lord, and the Lord says, look, this is, this is not what this is about right now, Martha. Mary is doing what is important. And so Martha, as Jesus said, was worried and troubled about many things. Now, in the context of this story, it's about preparations for meals and things of that sort. But he kind of leaves a general, you're worried and troubled about many things. We kind of get the sense here that Martha was one of those people that she was, she was a servant. She had a servant's heart and she was very busy and very capable, but sometimes she was a little too busy for her own good. So it wasn't just in this instance that she find, find, would find herself worried and troubled about many things. And um, particularly here in this story, she's worried about what she felt she needed to do. There are things that needed to be done. There's food that needed to be cooked. There's places needed to be, you know, set. And um, so we can be like this sometimes. And um, it's 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 difficult sometimes to to separate yourself from when you, when you see things that need to be done. And you're like, okay, well, this is I need to do this. I need to do this. There's no one else here, so I'm going to do that. And we can get focused on the doing and miss the, the bigger picture, which is what happened here with, with Martha. And, um, you know, we even have it referred to sometimes I've heard it referred to as Martha syndrome, when you just get busy and you're just not really paying attention to all of what's going on. And we can get so wrapped up in what we have on our plate that we lose sight again of what's most necessary. And this can lead to feeling overwhelmed, which can make us tense and then we can react or respond in a way that's not Christ-like. Now, we don't have it here. I mean, Martha, we don't have the tone. So we don't know how she said this to the Lord. And it seemed like it wasn't too far out of, out of range. But there are times when, you know, you are under pressure. And if you're not careful, you know, somebody could catch you at the wrong moment, catch you off guard, and, and, and you respond in a way that's, that's not, not the, the way that you should respond to them. Uh, you can snap or, or things like that. And I don't know about you. Um, it's never happened to any of you all, I'm sure, because you all are just good Christians, just model behavior and righteousness and, you know, got the, got the hold on the flesh. The flesh never flares up. But I've had, you know, times, not any time recently, thank the Lord, where I've had a situation like that at work where just a lot of pressure, I'm, I'm focused on what I'm doing, and somebody catches me off guard, and I respond in a way that wasn't, that wasn't the right way. I didn't, you know, no foul language. But then have the Lord say, <clears throat> tap me on the shoulder and say, you need to go back and you need to apologize to that person for how you responded to them. Yes, Lord. And you go, and, and, you know, you go back, and this has happened, unfortunately, not just once, but uh, not with the same person. But uh, you go back and you say, I'm sorry. And they're like, what are you talking about? Oh, I didn't think you were short with me or anything like that. Well, no, I know because somebody told me that I needed to correct that. So anyway, um, when you're under pressure and, and you feel uh, overwhelmed or pressured to do things, you can get anxious and it can cause not the right response. And so uh, this is what's happened here. And Martha was rebuked very gently, but she was still rebuked by the Lord because she had her attention focused in the wrong place because she had become anxious. And so anxiety will always lead to blurred vision in regard to what it is that we're really supposed to be doing. What was Martha really supposed to be doing? Not that the other things that she was involved with were, were, were not to be taken care of, 
but the way she went about it was not not the right way and she when she saw her sister seemingly not doing what she felt she should be doing it's because her vision was off because she was anxious and so you know again the lord addresses her and and i kind of wonder if the lord spoke to her and you know when she heard that she recalibrated and you know maybe you know did she did she go and she drop the the, the dishes and and go and sit down next to her sister well, the bible doesn't tell us maybe maybe not but even even if she didn't she got the message and um she didn't miss the lesson and neither should we we should not let the things and the pressures of life and the things that we feel we need to do overwhelm us to the point where we can't see what we truly really should be doing and how we should be conducting ourselves. There's a time and a place to get things done, but not at the cost of our devotion to the Lord. That's the, that's the bottom line. So we can also be anxious about things, not only that um, uh, we have need for or that we need to get done, but about things that haven't happened. And um, there are many people who can fall into this trap. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, this is what Jesus says. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So there are some people that can worry about any and everything that could happen. Not that it might happen, uh, but that it could happen. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being prepared but there's no way we can always be prepared for everything. So, um, you know, having multiple backups to your backups to your backups to your backups, uh, you know, gets very expensive and, um, and, and useless after a while because then, you know, that, that third backup is going to fail and then that fifth backup, you know, <laughs> doesn't show up on time. I mean, you're not going to be able to plan it all out. Life doesn't work that way. We live in a fallen world under a curse. And what does that mean? That means that eventually at some point, something's going to go wrong. Something's going to break. You know, something's going to wear out. Um, something's not going to go the way you want it to go. So, again, there's nothing wrong with preparation but to a limit. And the world understands this. The world understands that things are going to go wrong. Uh, they have all sorts of ways they try to reconcile this. You know, they use things, you know, words and you know, false ideas like karma. Um, there's some guy named Murphy who wrote a bunch of laws in a book. Pretty comical if you read them, but, you know, it's, it's not true. Um, and so uh, the world tries to say, you know, well, you know, things are going to happen and it's because of this. You know, they won't, they won't fess up and say that it's because we live in a, in a world of sin. And so uh, there are things that, of course, can make us anxious um, uh, if you let them concerned about what's going to happen or what could happen. And uh, the what ifs under the bridge, you can spend all day uh, worrying about those and not get anywhere and miss what you really need to be doing today. What's going on and what's happening today? What is right in front of you? What does the Lord have for you to do today? Uh, you know, and, and again, if you're not um, careful, uh, you can be so far past today that you miss uh, what, what the Lord has. And so we're not to be anxious for anything because God is in control. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, again, in verses 32 and 33, he says, For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Jesus says, look, 
if you keep your focus in the right place, focused on the Lord and, and, and his, his kingdom and the things that involve that, then you don't have to be worried about the things that you don't have. You don't have to be worried about the things that you have to do. You don't have to be worried about what's to come because God is going to take care of all of those things. If you keep your eyes focused on him, then God is going to take care of you. So no matter what we face or what we have need of, God is able to handle it. And we don't need to be anxious or to worry. So uh, it says in Philippians chapter 4, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So we're going to take this and, and look at this. Although we can know that the Lord is in control, we can still sometimes find ourselves worried or concerned about situations and circumstances. But prayer is the cure for the anxious heart. Psalm 61 verses 1 and 2 says this. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So the psalmist writes here, that, and, and he's, he's indicating that he knows that when his heart is troubled, that the best thing for him to do is to call out to the Lord his God and to find strength from the Lord in prayer. And by doing that, he's going to get his eyes off of his situation and look up to the everlasting rock, the Lord our God. And so that's, that's what we should do when we find ourselves in a place where we're anxious about whatever it is. And, and again, you know, as the commercial says, life comes at you fast. There's some fr- pretty tough hits that we can take in this life. And, um, you know, God knows. God knows that, that even though we, we know who he is and we, we trust him, there are times when, when you need to take a moment. Um, sometimes, you know, you get hit in the face. Um, I don't care if you're trained to get hit in the face or not for, for a split second, that's going to stop you for, for a split second, if not longer. And so you have to absorb what's going on. And in that moment, you can become anxious. You can be, be worried. But once you, once you get a grip, once you recover, the first thing we should do is we should be speaking to the Lord. We should pray. Because that's going to take our eyes off of what's going on around us and focus our eyes on what is immutable, what doesn't change. Uh, he who has all power, who has all knowledge about everything that's going on, that, that all of the variables are taken away when we focus our eyes on the Lord. There's nothing that can kind of come up that's, that's a surprise because he is steady. And so when we focus on him, um, that's the beginning of beginning, uh, being able to move past what's going on. And so uh, Paul writes, he says that, um, that in everything by prayer. So prayer is simply talking to God. It is a form of worship. And worship means that you are acknowledging God for who he is and that he is worthy and worthy for you to do so. So when we feel the pressure that comes from life, we are to talk to God about it. It doesn't matter what it is. If, you know, you know, your car breaks down, if, if uh, you know, I don't know, you, you know, you know, have your own list of things. Um, but when things happen, we should have a relationship established with the Lord where we feel comfortable to talking to him about any and everything. So that we have to, and again, this doesn't come naturally. We have to train ourselves to do this, especially in moments of, of pressure or stress. That's not going to be the natural inclination, you know, especially if, uh, if, if you're an emotional person and you're subject to, to reacting and responding based to, to what happens. 
you're going to have to work a little harder. Some people don't have to work as hard. Some people are, you know, pretty stoic and, and, and pretty even keel. Uh, but even, even the person like that will still have to discipline themselves to, once the moment comes, to, to turn, turn their eyes to the Lord. Uh, but but it's, it's doable. We can do this. And um, when we have a, a relationship and have, have a, a, a solid prayer life, a consistent prayer life, it becomes easier to, to make that kind of a response when something happens. And so um, we should talk to God. That's the first thing that Paul suggests. He said through prayer and then supplication. Well, supplication, of course, is a request or a petition. And so it's uh, praying and asking for something that's specific. And it's good to ask God for help when we need it. And although he knows that we need uh, something and and what that need is, he's not going to always just give it to us without our interaction. Uh, Sometimes, and probably more than we know, God is waiting for us to bring our petitions to him. In other words, he's ready to act. He he knows what's going on. He he knew before it happened, before we knew. Um, But he's not going to do anything until... We respond, you know, God is gracious and he loves us. And and man, thank God that he takes care of so many things without me having to ask. Uh, I mean, (laughs) he just provides. Oh, thank you, Lord. And um, uh, because if it were up to me, I would still be running around in a circle and and, and wouldn't figure it out. And so he's like, I'm going to help you out (laughs) here. Have this. And um, but so he does give. Um, just arbitrarily because he's, he's the Lord and he's, he's kind and he loves, and that's just part of his nature, but he doesn't always do that. Sometimes, especially when you're his child, part of our development and part of our maturity and maturing in the Lord is that interaction. And, um, so it's not until we come to him that he's going to respond at times. And, uh, James says this. You do not have because you do not ask. Just simply put, in James 4.2, there are times and there are things where there are, God is, is ready to, again, to provide and to give to us, but we haven't asked for it yet, and so we don't have it. And um, James is encouraging us that we should, in our, in our development, in our relationship, in our, our prayer life with the Lord, and in, in conversation, that we also come to him and ask and bring our petitions. And that's what Paul is encouraging here, again, in these moments of, uh, and to counteract being anxious. James also says in the next verse in James chapter four, verse three, he says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So we should ask the Lord for his assistance when we need his help, uh, particularly here in the context of what we're talking about, to settle our hearts and to provide for um, uh, a specific need or in a specific way. But we should also be mindful not to be focused on getting what, just what we want because we want it. Um, sometimes God says no. You know, God, somebody said God answers prayer in three ways, three answers, yes, no, and wait. But sometimes, uh, it's a little bit more than that, but it's over, it's oversimplifying it. But uh, sometimes God will say no, and the way that he says no is simply by not answering. And um, this could be a hint, especially if this becomes a pattern, this could be a hint that we may need to check our motives before asking, or, or, or what are we asking for? Why, why are we asking for this? Because if it's something that's completely self-serving, if it's something that um, 
is again just to get what we want because we want it and it, and it doesn't have uh god's motives or his will uh, in mind or it's it's all about us then that's not necessarily a prayer that god is going to be eager to answer right away and and again god being gracious and kind he may be doing that to kind of train you and say hey you know you need to think about what you're saying um and 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 what you're asking and then, you know, the, hopefully the lights will turn on and you'll figure out, oh, okay, I need to shift my priorities here. So, um, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, it says. So, thanksgiving is a prayer of gratitude. And um, giving thanks is simply thanksgiving. <laughs> so, if you're giving thanks, that's thanksgiving. And so, a prayer of thanksgiving is, is worshiping God for what he has given. Again, God is a giver. You're not going to outgive God. Um, he is going to always, uh, if you're paying attention, amaze you by the things that he does and how he provides. Uh, sometimes, God does miraculous, does the miraculous just in the sense, in the way of timing, uh, that, that, that something miraculous happened in this particular moment, that if it had happened two seconds earlier or three minutes later, it, it would have all fallen apart. But because God made it happen at this particular moment, it's an indication that, that he's he's involved. And, and again, so he's a giver. And he can provide, again, in the simplest ways. Uh, again, speaking of timing, a, a simple schedule change can provide more time that you were hoping to get and that you now have because something has changed. God has opened up uh, a window of time. Um, sometimes it can be a word or even a smile or just a kind gesture from someone else that you just need it in a timely manner. God gives these things. I, you know, I, I say often that, you know, no one encourages me like my heavenly father does. But when he encourages me, I know it's him. Oftentimes he'll do it through you. He'll do it through, through uh, those of his children, those who belong to him. And, it, and that makes it even more special, you know, because you have this connection with another believer. We have the same spirit. And, and, and whether they know it or not, God is using them. And uh, it is quite an encouragement and a blessing when, when God just kind of steps in in those moments. Sometimes there are times you don't even know that you need that. You don't even know that you are downtrodden. You don't know that you're necessarily worn out. You don't know that you're overwhelmed. You don't know that you're confused. And God brings somebody along or he, he, he just does something in front of you and the lights turn on and you realize, oh, I'm not where I thought I was. God knew it. He provided and supplied for my need, lifted me up, and not only just lifted me up where now I'm on level ground, he's elevated me even higher because you can see how, how the dots connect and how, how God used someone else, uh, whether they knew it or not, again, uh, to, to, to bless and to minister. You know, another thing I, I love to say, God never does anything one-dimensional. It's like, you know, you drop a pebble in a in a still pool and you see all the concentric circles. Well, that's just, that's just the mere edges of his ways. God, God, as Pastor Rick says, God's got moves, man. And it's just, it's just amazing. how He just does so many things with just one, one little thing that he does or gives. And if you're paying attention, you can see it. Uh, quite a bit of it. We won't catch all of it all the time, but if we're paying attention, we can see enough of it and, and it does nothing but, but fill our hearts with praise and worship for him because that's the God that we have. But, um, you know, he, he will, he will give and, um, in a way that 
Again, you know it's the Lord and you can see his fingerprints when you know him, when you love him. You can sense his presence and you can know when he's pleased. And so these are the things when we recognize them that we can thank him for. And you don't have to look long or look, look for, uh, uh, you know, hard, too hard, uh, because God is always doing something. And um, particularly in times when we feel a little anxious about something, it's never a bad time to give God thanks. So he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So God knows everything. But he wants us to pray anyway. So, you know, God is all-knowing. He's not, he's not learning anything. He's never caught off guard. He's never surprised. But he still wants us to pray. Well, well why? why? Why would God still want us to pray if he already knows everything, what we're going to ask, and how he's going to answer? Well, the simple answer to that is because he wants to have fellowship and communion with us. God just enjoys having time with us. He, he loves us. And... He has demonstrated throughout the scriptures, throughout our lives, you know, but most of all, of course, in in Jesus Christ, how much he loves us. But he loves to spend time with us. And there's coming a time when either he calls us home to be with him or he takes us all home to be with him, where we will be with him forevermore. And he will get to spend as much time and we will get to spend as much time with the Lord as we want. There'll be no separation. There'll not be any distractions. And that's going to be wonderful. But until that time, uh, God is going to, to look for those moments where he wants to have that communion and fellowship with us. And he can have that and we can have that with him in times of prayer. Jesus says this in John 16, verse 26 and 27. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. He says in that day, of course, meaning after he's, he's, he's gone to the cross and, and, and paid the penalty uh, for our sins. Um, that, that, and the, and the, the way to the throne room is just, just opened up because he's opened the door. That, that God is going to desire uh, to have fellowship with us and that we can come to him freely. Uh, that the Father will welcome our prayers to him because the Father himself loves us. But it's only because of Jesus that we can come to God with any request because of him. Um, because of Jesus, we can come to the Lord without any shame. But again, because of what he's done, his great sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verses 14 through 16 says this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so Jesus has opened the way where we can come boldly to the throne room and, and we, can, we can have time with the Father uninterrupted. And, um, and what a wonderful honor and, and privilege and blessing that is, that we can be received by God and that God wants our prayers that he holds the Bible tells us that he's there's going to be a time when he takes our prayers and that's going to be part of his whole uh, wrapping up the, the judgment of the earth. So God hears our prayers and he keeps them. He doesn't ignore them. And um, and so 
we have this because of Jesus Christ. And uh, so we should come to God um, making our requests known to him because we have this free access. And um, so verse 7 of Philippians chapter 4. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Because of Jesus, we can have this peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 23, verses 1 and 2, familiar verses to, to many of us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. What a wonderful God we have that when we know him, when we have a relationship with him, when we know that we are his and that he has made himself ours, that we can have this wonderful peace that in many ways is, is difficult to put into words. Um, thankfully, we have this word peace so we can say it and we can know what we're talking about. But it's, it's so much more that comes to peace than just that word. It It is it is it is it, it surpasses all understanding. <laughs> it's right there. I can't say it any better. Thanks, Lord. Um, so, <laughs> so when so we have this wonderful peace with God, but when there is no peace with God, it's hard to pray. And uh, Psalm sixty six verse eight says, "If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear." So. Maybe there's anxiety and a struggle to find peace in a situation because there's something there. There's something in the way. You know, for the believer, we have this relationship with, with, with the Lord through Jesus Christ, and we have this free pathway. Where, again, we can go directly to the throne room of God. But, you know, we are made saints, but, you know, we're still sinners. We still have the capability to sin. And, of course, sin breaks the fellowship with God. It gets in the way. And so if there's, if there's sin or there's something in the life, then chances are, for the believer, there's going to be an unsettling in the heart. Well, that's, that's an indication that, you know, there's, there's probably a, a need to do some self-examination if there's something that you're not aware of. Um, and, and maybe there's, maybe there's a time, you know, in your prayer, you know, you start with repentance. I mean, that should be a part of a regular part of our lives because we're, we're, we're going to sin. Um, but, but maybe there's something significant where it needs to really be dealt with. And so there needs to be some focus on that. And so you need to turn away from that sin before you can settle back into the peace of the Lord. And once you do that, then that peace is restored. And, and again, if you, once you know, and you have that peace, when it's not there, it's noticeable. And, uh, so you shouldn't, or it could be, I would imagine it's difficult to remain in a state where you are ignorant of that, that missing piece. Um, and, and if you go longer, of course, we know this, the longer you go with that and you tolerate that, it creates more problems. And so, so, uh, for, for the believers, we're not to allow that, that absence of peace to remain at any time. Um, but if you're not a Christian, if you are an unbeliever, Someone who's who is not giving their heart to the Lord, then there's no real peace that can be had until that's dealt with. And, um, you know, the world does not experience that that kind of a peace um, because they've rejected Jesus Christ and, and they, they try all sorts of ways and methods to obtain peace. 
and they can get measures of peace, but it's not long lasting. It doesn't endure and it, it runs out. And that's why they have to continue to make up other things to try to, uh, to put a stamp on it and say that they, they're, you know, I'm good. I'm good. And, and, and inside there, they're having turmoil. So, uh, there's a saying, I don't, I don't know. I didn't look it up. Uh, but there's a saying that it says, uh, no God, no peace. And that no is K-N-O-W, so in knowledge. So you know God, then you know peace. But then the other half of it says, no God, no peace. And that no is N-O, as in nil, the absence of. So if you have no God in your life, then you have no peace. And so for the unbeliever, they need to first deal with their sin uh, and turn to Jesus Christ in faith before they can ever have any hope of having any true having any true peace with God. And to, so to have peace with God is to have the peace of God. And in John chapter 14 verse 27, this is what Jesus says. And I, I love this verse. Um, it's, it's one of the verses that I really first heard the, the Lord speak clearly to me as a new believer. And he says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so the peace of God is greater than any other peace. It's, 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 it's beyond anything that the UN can come up with, any treaty. Uh, it's, it's beyond any, you know, meditation tape or whatever, you know, that's, that's not meditating on the word of God can provide. Um, the peace of God, again, is is difficult to truly, really put into words unless you have experienced it yourself. And so we don't have to understand it. We don't have to fully understand the peace of God. We just have to trust him for it. And um, this is a, a passage in, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, when uh, uh, the, the disciples are with the Lord and they're, they're in the boat. And um, we pick it up in verse 36, Mark chapter 4, speaking of, of peace that only comes from Jesus Christ. Verse 36, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, speaking of, of Christ. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. So here the, the, the disciples are on the boat. These some experienced fishermen. And they're like, man, we're in trouble. Let's wake up the Lord because he's asleep over there. And um, he wakes up and he just simply says, peace, be still. And the wind and the waves, they obey him. And these guys are amazed. Their mouths are on the bottom of the boat. And, um, and, and Jesus is the one who causes this great calm and this peace and the peace of God will see us through any storm we face in life. Just like these guys were in the boat again, they thought they knew what they were doing until trouble came along and it was trouble that was more than they could handle. But guess who's right there with them in the boat? It's the Lord Jesus. And then when he comes to, and then when he addresses the situation, he just simply says, peace, be still. And so 
when the when the wind and the waves of life and 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 the inner turmoil in our heart with whatever's going on is raging then Jesus is the one that still comes along and he says, peace, be still. And, and he can calm the roughest seas. He can, he can blow all those clouds away. Uh, he's the one that brings the peace that surpasses all understanding and that, that, that gets us through whatever, whatever that matter or that issue is. Uh, not, not, not any other religious figure, not the pope. Um, you know, of course, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into that, but um, it's the Lord. Uh, he's the one that has the peace and, and he not only has and brings peace, the Bible tells us that he is our peace. So if you have Jesus Christ, you not only have the peace of God, you have God who himself is peace. And so, um, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So our hearts must be protected. Our hearts must be guarded and protected, and, and peace does that um, because the, the Bible tells us that for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's going on in your heart eventually will work its way out in your, your life and oftentimes through your mouth. And uh, Proverbs chapter 4, uh, Proverbs 4, verse 23 says this, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. So the, the, the thing that I'm pulling out here, hopefully, and the point I'm making is that it's important to be aware of what's going on in your heart and that peace is something that can help preserve and protect your heart. And so we should pray that the peace of God remains with us. And, um, you know, God has, has indicated in, in the scripture and in, in Ephesians that, you know, uh, the armor of God, and it talks about the breastplate of righteousness. And, you know, for the, for the Roman soldier, that breastplate was a critical piece of, uh, of, of, of equipment. Because the arrows that he couldn't see coming, that he couldn't, you know, block with the shield that got through, you know, would be stopped by that breastplate protecting his heart. Because, of course, the heart is is pretty much the vital organ. If if your heart is um, goes bad, then really, really bad things can happen. And the same thing spiritually. And so uh, we should ask and pray that we have the righteousness and, and walk in righteousness so that our hearts are guarded and protected. And when we walk in righteousness, when we walk with the Lord and we have his peace, um, then, then there's a, a degree of comfort there that we don't have to be concerned. And, and of course, that breastplate, that breastplate belongs to Jesus. It's the armor of God and Jesus being God. He has given us that breastplate and it's a perfect fit for each and every single one of us. But our minds also must be protected because he says, um, the, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So our minds need to be protected. Um, Second Corinthians chapter 10, speaking of uh, the spiritual warfare and, and conflict that's all around us all the time, Paul writes to the church and he says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so there's a, there's a need for us to be deliberate, um, to be deliberate about guarding our hearts so we can guard our mouths and what we say and we don't have to get tapped on the shoulder. Um, and, and also our minds, um, you know, Satan, he's, he's, he's such a, he's such a, a, a loser. He's such a, Oh man, he's the worst. And um, he's always out to distract and to, to hurl things at us, 
Um, you know, we have to we have to be careful with our eye and our ear gates, um, careful what we watch, what we're around, because those things can get in. They can get in our heads and your head can be the key to your heart. Once something gets into your head, it's not that far of a travel to get to your heart. And so we should pray that our minds are guarded. Uh, just like our, our, our heart is guarded by the, the breastplate of righteousness, but also our heads and our minds guarded with the helmet of salvation, which is another vital equipment piece of equipment uh, in the, the armor of God, so that we remember that we have peace with God because of Jesus Christ. We only have this peace because of, because of the Lord, because of what he's done. And so our hearts and our minds must be protected. And um, when we have peace with God, we have access to all the protection that we need that he's made available to us. Um, and, and, of course, the word of God is critical to that, which is another um, component to that armor, the sword of the spirit. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 says this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So here, after our, our uh, uh, verses in, in, in uh, uh, 6 and 7, Paul goes on and he's, he gives a list of things for the believer to meditate on. The good things, the righteous things, the holy things, the wholesome things. And he says, meditate. That 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 word carries the idea of you know like 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 cows and 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 animals that chew the <clears throat> excuse me chew the cud. They chew it over and over and over again, and they swallow it, and they chew it over and over and over again. And the idea is that you take the word of God, and you don't just read it. You know, James said, be doers of the word and not hearers only. You can just sit in the sanctuary. You can just sit under the teaching of the word, and the word just maybe wash over you, but, just, but also brush past you if you're not careful. And so we have to be deliberate about receiving the word of God. And as we receive it and as we meditate on it, um, then... Uh, we can focus our minds on the word, and as we read it, we should think about it. We should consider how it applies to our lives, and, and as we do that, it gets into our heart. And as it gets into our heart, the more we meditate on it, the deeper it gets, and it gets seated and rooted and, and established, and it is not shaken or snatched away. And it becomes a, a steady, solid foundation and a, a rock that we can rely upon when we face disruptions to our peace. And so uh, to close, um, Paul again writes here uh, about in the face of anxiety and, and the temptation to be anxious, to go to God, to receive that peace. And so remembering who Jesus is and all that he's done for us will help us not only not be anxious about life, um, but we can pray. And when we pray, we stay close to the Lord in fellowship and communion, and then we walk in his peace every day as we continue to walk with the Lord, and he ministers to us, and he uses us, and we, and we develop in our relationship and have that peace which is established, which, again, one day we will have uh, no more disruptions to that peace evermore. And I'll close with this verse. This is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Again, Paul writing, he says, Now the God, may the God of peace himself... Sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Let's pray. Well, Father, what a wonder it is that uh, you not only give us peace, but you have become our peace. You have become the rock that is steady, that we can uh, know is sure and steadfast and and be assured that your presence is with us and that we can sense, Lord, uh, because this peace is real. When uh, when you don't have it, it's uh, it's evident. And when you have it, you know it. And so, Lord, uh, those of us who believe are very grateful that we can have this peace with you through your son, Jesus Christ. And uh, Lord, may we always be reminded of these things when we face the things in life that are inevitably going to come, that we may not be shaken, but we may stand firm on your promises and your person and who you are. And Lord, as uh, you open opportunities for us to engage those who don't have this peace themselves, may they see that peace within us. And uh, may you give us opportunity to tell it, Lord, to tell them about the peace that we have because of the God that we have. And so, Lord, um, uh, we trust all of these things to you. May you get us home safely tonight, we ask in Jesus name.